been talking about it for a while. It's been brewing and it, it's about to, to finally happen. The end of Serena Williams as an active tennis player. Yes, end of an era. What uh, a moment. It, as you say, yeah, long time coming. Uh, we did wonder. I think the Wimbledon thing was probably the biggest clue because she was clearly going there on a bit of a whim. So possibly made the decision before Wimbledon and um, just decided that she wanted to, to go and uh, and play there. And uh, yeah, and she's played there and then she's played in Cincinnati as well. She lost to Emma Raducanu um, late last night, UK time in the evening session. And uh, yeah, we don't have long left with her on tour. So USA will be her final one. It's... I don't know, it's one of those things that obviously it's emotional, it's a great opportunity to look back at, you know, one of the greatest of all time. Um, But as you say, because it has been such a long time coming, I think we've sort of done a lot of the Serena. It feels like we've... We've gone through that grieving process of losing Serena. So not, maybe not all of it, but 80% of it we've sort of gone through. We've been thinking about it. We haven't had her on tour for a year. We don't really talk about her when it comes to you know, people winning slams or anything like that. Um, I suppose it's a bit like if Federer decided to announce his retirement and say, OK, the last event I'm going to play is the US Open. Because ultimately she hadn't played for a year before that, which is exactly the same as Federer you'd sort of be like, okay, well, we, we kind of knew you were done. We were just wondering when you were going to call it. <laughs> I like that. We kind of knew you were done. Um, and I think we will definitely, once she is done, if I can use your words, we'll, we'll probably dedicate like a whole pod, right? And we'll look back on the Serena Williams years, the highs, oh. the lows, all the bit. Like now, now is not the time because she's still active, but we will... Because I don't want people going, what, you're not going to spend the whole... No, we'll do that when it's actually done. And it's, But I'm, I'm a little bit sort of caught up here because she did the piece in Vogue. Right? We always knew with Serena Williams she would do it her way. Um, it was going to be on her terms, her way. And I have to say, I found it a really interesting piece that she wrote. And there were a lot of factors involved. It seems like it's kind of a weight off her shoulders. Now she's, you know, sort of announced it's what's going to happen. And, and a lot of it comes down to, to the ticking clock that we as women have. We cannot escape the fact that if we want to have children, and not everyone does, there is a clock and it ticks and the ticking gets louder. And she mentioned in this piece that her and her husband had been trying for the last year. They'd been to see a doctor. They'd been given some positive news that they'll, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, be able to extend their family. But we talk about having it all, and you can to some extent, but... It changes things, doesn't it? Like, we know ourselves. I mean, you weren't still playing at an elite level when you got pregnant, had baby Rog, and I've never played at an elite level. But it, it changes you. And even when Serena Williams came back and did remarkably well coming back from being pregnant, it wasn't the same. And you get older and it gets harder. And that clock, the clock ticks louder. And the important thing for Serena Williams now is to look to expand her family because she has done so much. Okay, she hasn't done that thing that she talked about wanting to do to cap everything off. But as we've talked about before, she doesn't need to reach that number. It will not take away anything from what she has done. Probably one of the biggest mistakes she's ever made in calling out the Margaret Court uh, record as a record that she wanted for herself. Um, I think that was... Yeah, that was quite 
a bold move and just put so much pressure on her and it caused everyone to talk about her. And it's not even a real thing. As I've said so many times, I don't buy into it. You know, she won a bunch of those slams before anyone could enter. I mean, they're not, they're just, they're not, they don't count to the records if not everybody can play. It's just, it's, it's silly. So, um, yeah, anyway, it's uh, the situation uh, that she put herself in. And I think it's pretty much just irritated her and pissed her off for the rest of her career. <laughs> but I suppose she was just so confident that she was going to get it that she just, that's why she said it, because she was just 100% confident she was going to get the record. Because it did look like 100% she was going to get the record. But, you know, things happen, as you say, time. Time, even though she made four slam finals after after having uh, her first child, Olympia, I believe it's four slam finals. Yeah, and quite quickly as well. You you can't run away from time. Whoever you are, whatever you do, time will always catch up. You know, it it, it just it just does, and it has with Serena. I'm just I'm sort of curious. She obviously wants to say goodbye on court. Do you know what I mean? Like some will just walk away and say, actually, I'm not going to do it. But I'm wondering how much she's she is or is going to embrace these final few weeks. She did that big bit in Vogue, but if she thought that was going to dampen down the interest. All it did was switch things up a gear. You know, that all the sessions now at the US Open have sold out those early sessions in the evening, thinking maybe this could be the final time. I know um, media friends, journalists, that weren't going to the US Open this. They're going to cover it remotely. They are now going. And, and I just hope she really embraces it. We saw her on court in Canada. She didn't stay on court after the Raducanu match. Now, I don't know, maybe that's a personal pride maybe she didn't like how she played and she didn't want to talk but on the flip side of things I think if you're kind of saying this is the farewell tour you've also got to kind of you've got to get the flowers and you've got to get the ovation uh, the the ovations and you've got to get those little montages do you know what I mean well it's just a bit strange isn't it that she has decided to play these farewell events and she was very clear in playing, well, not at Wimbledon, but since Wimbledon. She's yeah. very clear because she announced her retirement. She, as you say, she played in Canada, she played in Cincy and she'll play at the US Open. Now, she has not really had much interest in, well, she hasn't done any press conferences, um, no interviews or anything like that. Uh, she didn't stay on court for an interview in Cincinnati, even though that was requested of her. So... I always thought that a farewell tour was, you know, the way that, you know, David Ferrer does it. Just just <laughs> soak it up. Just soak it up from the crowd. Take your applause. Your opponent's going to clap you, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, we remember the Del Potro, really emotional, putting his headband on the net. And, you know, it, it, it's a bit strange. Because cause also, cause what I'm saying is there's another option. Well, there's lots of other options. But one of the options is she didn't need to play Cincy or Toronto. Like, just go to the US Open. Like, she could have just played Wimbledon. And then gone, right, I'm retiring at the US Open. Turn up to the US. And then you can do your big shebang. Take everything. We know it's her, well, I say we know it's her favourite tournament. I think it's the one that means the most to her in terms of winning it. She's won it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think... She could have done that. I mean, or she could have just not played anything at all and gone, I'm, I'm out, guys. Um, but yeah, so that's why it's a bit funny to go to Canada, to go to Cincy, to try and get... She, she, so she's trying to get matches in before she gets to the US Open. That's the plan. Um, and is obviously disappointed by the, the losses that have come. Do you think she still believes or believed maybe before Cincy 
and Toronto that she had a chance of at least going deep at the US Open? Because from what we've seen, she hasn't played enough and there's a bit of tape on there as well. But do you think that's part of it as well, that she's disappointed with the level and that she expected more and, and that's been a factor to maybe not staying and I don't because she she is a fighter she's a competitor she always has been and maybe there was a part of her that believed it would go better on court than it has I think there has to be a part because as I say the only re- she's not going to Canada to say goodbye she's not going to Cincy to say goodbye you know she's going to US Open to say goodbye she's going to New York I can buy that yeah, and also yeah. to Wimbledon it makes sense but she's going there to get matches because she wants to improve her level after what happened at Wimbledon. She wants to improve her level for when she gets to the US Open. Um, and because she hasn't won those matches, she's not had the chance to play more matches. So her level's not improved. Um, so I, I'm sure she is disappointed by the situation. I mean, it, it's not just a loss to Emma Raducanu. It's four in love. I mean, it's very, very rare that Serena loses in that sort of fashion without a significant injury. And... Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's a it's a bit perplexing. I hope that she's not sort of too stressed about it because she is far too huge and successful and the greatest of all time in the women's game to be stressed out about how you say goodbye. But, you know, everybody talks about saying goodbye on your terms. Well, saying goodbye on your terms when we think about it as in players doing this little farewell tour, however long it is. Some people do a whole year. David Ferrer. <laughs> Other people <laughs> do a few. Yeah, I loved that year from Ferrer. I loved it. I don't, I'm just saying. Some people... I mean, why not? Why not? If you've given so much to the sport sure. and you've got an opportunity everywhere you go to get an ovation, sometimes a little bit of a cheesy montage, maybe some bunches of flowers or some whatever. I mean, why would you not? Yeah, why, why not? Fine. You've earned it. But it without question will end in a loss as in it's just it's not going to end in winning the tournament David Ferrer was playing very very well in his last year <laughs> he he picked up loads of uh, of wins and, and went deep in tournaments but it was his last loss and his last match which was a loss which I believe was to Alexander Zverev if I remember correctly um, yes yes as Zverev was very very gracious during that match and gave him an ovation before the match point um and uh, yeah, it, it, but it's still going to end in a loss, which obviously is not something that sits very well with Serena. She absolutely hates losing. It's why she's the champion she is. But she's had these two losses and hasn't really sort of accepted that that's sort of part of what's happening here, as in you're going to lose and then you're going to say your farewell. She's not going to win the US Open, is she? Hey, I said this at Wimbledon. If anyone can, <laughs> Serena can. <laughs> But, um, no, you know, she's you, are, you, are, you are not saying it this time, are you? You are not saying it this time. Now, I've always been the <laughs> no. one the last few years saying, now, come on, Naomi, it's not going to happen. But I think we're on. It, it, it's not going to happen. But you would have thought she would have come to terms with that. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe the people you surround yourself with, maybe. I, I, I don't know. But it, it just feels as though there's there's something not aligning. Do you see what I mean? That maybe, you know, she, she wrote the piece, but then you wrote you write the piece, you announce something like, wanting to get Margaret Court's record, it's going to be talked about. It's going to be asked, you know, ticket sales through the roof everywhere, wanting to see her, wanting to listen to her, wanting to, you know, that 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 has to be, that has to, she has to expect that that is going 
to happen. Do you see what I mean? So I just, well, of but, course, but, yeah. yeah, of course she does. She, but but that's where it's a bit odd because once you've written that piece of Vogue, as I say, you just sort of assume that she's made a little bit of peace with the fact that this is over. And as I say, part of playing tournaments to say goodbye is that you're going to lose, and you're because otherwise you wouldn't be saying goodbye if you were going to win the U.S. Open. Um, so yeah, it's just a bit odd that she's not she doesn't seem to be okay with those losses but maybe that's just because she's the most ridiculously competitive person you could ever find in the world and she yeah. absolutely hates yeah. to lose and losing is never going to sit well regardless of the situation and she's always going to be disappointed because let's be honest she has pulled off some superhuman achievements and levels throughout her career there's a long part of her career where Let's be honest, she didn't need to play more than a 6 out of 10 and she was absolutely fine. <laughs> she was just winning. So like, when you're sort of used to that, I'm sure there is a part of her that thinks, hey, you know, maybe I can just switch it on. And she has done, she's played plenty of slams, won plenty of slams off the back of barely any training for what seems like months before. Um, so yeah, maybe there was a little bit of hope uh, left in terms of, hey, look, I still think she's capable of winning a match. It's just that she hasn't, you know, that's just, that's how it goes. But yeah, hopefully when we get to the US Open, because it is now going to be her last tournament, when she loses, you know, she can sort of finally, you know, accept it. I mean, she's going to have to accept a lot because I'm sure they're going to do a big farewell. <laughs> how do you see the US Open planning out? Because there's been some, we we don't exactly know how she is going to feature in terms there could be two competitions she could feature in. And we were talking and you were saying that one of our friends and colleagues suggested a good way to possibly go out, but I don't think it will be the way she takes to go out. Yes, Ben Rothenberg, uh, he suggested on Twitter earlier on that she plays in the doubles with Venus. Awesome. Everybody loves to see that yeah. at all times. Everybody wants to see Serena and yeah. Venus playing together. They won multiple Grand Slams together. Um and uh, and then he was saying, well, maybe two draws isn't quite possible. So maybe just play the doubles, which I think is quite a, a a good way of doing yeah, it. But I then, do. you know, do you want your big sister there to stealing some of the limelight when you're <laughs> you're the one trying to get the uh, the applause? I don't think it's going to be the way that she goes. Um, she could possibly play in both draws, but then would it be a bit weird if she loses her singles, they do the farewell, and then she goes back on for a doubles match the next day? It all becomes a little bit scrappy. You want to tie a nice, neat bow on it. Um, but I think that absolutely just playing doubles is a really smart option uh, for her. But I'm sure she wants that Arthur Ashe Stadium fuller than it's ever been just for her because... To be honest, that's the way it should be. I think that happened with Joe Wilfred Songri. He lost to Kaspar Ruud on Philippe Chatrier, but I'm sure he then... And he had the big ceremony. They gave him some clay from the court. They gave him some of Philippe Chatrier, as it were. Um, and then I think he went back out for doubles somewhere a bit later. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, ticket sales are through the roof. Tell you what, this, the Songa, the Songa um, ceremony is tough to beat. I think they Amazing. nailed it. I thought they absolutely nailed, nailed it. it. They're probably yep. going to go bigger because it's America and they're probably going to go bigger because it's Serena. All fair enough. But in terms of how they did it, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't have really asked for more from that. It was perfect. Are we going to have fireworks? I don't know, someone like Shania Twain is going to appear and sing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Are we going to have... Well, it'll be Beyonce, won't it? BFF Beyonce, surely. Oh, true. And then, yeah, we're going to have lots surely. of famous people saying things on the big screen. I, we need fireworks. I just feel it's a moment 
for fireworks. Would you agree? <laughs> yeah, well, have some, have some fireworks. Yeah, what else could they do? But yeah, they do love a bit of music, don't they? So yeah, you could. But then, but how do you do? You can't, I don't know. You can't have you can't just have Beyonce around just in case she loses and then <laughs> just sort of shimmy her out. I don't think it's going to fly. Um, <laughs> Is it? Wasn't it? Um, I, I think it was a. Uh, it was Nadal, wasn't it? Wasn't it Barcelona when he was on to win number whatever it was? And they had massive, su- massive numbers, like life size numbers of how many times he'd won it, like ten or whatever. And I think he. Like, and they had to keep shuffling it away and putting things you know and like Gilles Simon was about to last Roland Garros had to keep putting everyone back in the cupboards because he was winning and you have to bring him out again so I mean you, you've got to take that into consideration look the draw is going to be fascinating the draw is going to be absolutely fascinating when that comes but the one thing I was thinking that match with Emma Raducanu is not from a British media point of view but this has taken some pressure off Raducanu for the outside of the British, yeah, the British media is still going to be heavily focused on Raducanu defence of her Grand Slam title. But for everyone in America and outside, they're just thinking about Serena Williams, right? So this has actually taken, I mean, you might disagree, but I feel this has actually taken from the wider press and maybe the public some pressure off Raducanu's title defence, especially in the early stages, because all the focus will be on Serena Williams. Yeah, so if Emma were to lose early during the Serena Williams sort of festival that it should be, um, then, yeah, everyone will forget about it. But if that dies down, you know how long Grand Slams are. You can't remember the Monday when you get to the Friday. So if that all happens quite early for Serena, say that's a first round thing, and then Emma's making second or maybe third round, I think the Serena thing was sort of had been been wrapped up a bit so maybe there will be the the focus again if she were were to go out um but yeah I mean look realistically there's no pressure on her and I think what she said was right it was probably the first time we saw her get a little bit defensive actually in an interview she was talking about this at Wimbledon but ultimately what she's saying is right when she was just like the pressure thing is like is stupid as in I've I think her words were I've literally won a slam surely the pressure is on everybody else who hasn't done that yet which really is true because it is the case that you know everybody's desperate to achieve something and you know somebody like Maria Sakkari when's it going to happen for Maria Sakkari you know when is she going to get that title uh, or whatever and um you know, as I say, she's a Grand Slam champion, will be for the rest of her life. So ultimately, she's sort of released the pressure. It's just that everybody else needs to sort of get over it, <laughs> which will, won't happen until after this year. She's got to lose the points, drop down the rankings, and then it will all die down a bit and she'll, she'll be off and running. But hey, look, Serena, she's going to be a, a very dangerous floater in the draw as well. She's not going to be seeded. There's some other dangerous floaters in the draw. Um, so that draw is going to be uh, fascinating. I personally believe there are still lots of players that Serena can beat. It's just a case as to whether she draws one of them in the first round. You know, she might not. But then at Wimbledon, I would have said Harmony Tan is a player that she could beat. But she got caught up in a physical match and got knackered. Um, so who knows? It's still possible for Serena to make second or third round, I think.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Someone I have to mention, someone I love, is Simona Halep. I mean, how good was it to see her winning big, winning in Toronto, taking the title? What was it? Title number 24. But it's, I think, isn't it her first major hardcore title since, something like 2018, if I'm right? And her first major title since, was it Rome 2020? She's back in the, back in the top 10 and it, it's good to see her smiling. I mean, I'm always exhausted watching Halep because she seems to have to do 10 times the amount of work of anybody else. But I just, I love the form she's in. And I know a lot of the dialogue with Halep at the moment is around Patrick Moratoglu because it was a big change, wasn't it? Suddenly there was this complete shift in, in her team and her management and her PR and, and it's all Moratoglu in the academy and there's positives, but I'd say more negatives being said in terms of his involvement but I, and I was thinking about this if if as a former Grand Slam champion and someone who's who's wise and who's been around the block maybe she just needed someone to give her that boost uh, put the arm around give her that confidence that maybe she was lacking and you know what he does that well for his positives and negatives about Moratoglu like we did with Serena Williams he can give you a boost he can make you feel very special and if you know, if that if that's what Simona Halep needed, then I'm 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 kind of all for it if we're going to get results like this. Yeah, I I agree, and it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I know some people might get a little bit grumpy about this, but there are a lot of similarities between Moratoglu and Darren Cahill. Now, not necessarily in some of the things that they say, but in terms of the characters, the personalities that they are, they are two of the strongest coaching personalities on the tour that you know people know who they are they've obviously achieved huge success as well which goes a long way i would say that darren cahill is probably a more understated version of what um moritoglu <laughs> uh, portrays <laughs> however when it comes to understated yeah. and overstated both of them are right at the top of the pile of all of the coaches on tour so i think that you know a really strong positive but the, the amount of confidence that darren cahill just exudes exudes in um Halep when she was work when he was working with her when in that year when he wasn't working with her he was still clearly very much a part of the team he just wasn't traveling week to week um i you know you can't you can't fake that and it does take that sort of certain character to really you know she's somebody who's struggled with anxiety um and when i say anxiety is in the stresses we've seen her on the court struggled with her emotions you know always thinking that she's playing poorly and doing herself down and all this sort of stuff and it took a lot of work from cahill to get her to a place where she could just play the tennis we knew she was capable of but i do think that it's a similar thing this is a very very strong personality that is just going to consistently tell her that how brilliant she is whilst also pointing out areas okay well you just need to work on this and then you're number one in the world again you just need to improve this and you're winning a slam again like as in you know it, it's it's that level of confidence and if you're if that's feeding in i think drip feeding all day every day i think it is such a hugely positive thing for a character like simona because she naturally wants to slip into low confidence and oh my i'm rubbish uh 
and she needs somebody very, very forceful to prevent her from doing that. Uh, and then the results start to come and then the confidence starts to go and, and uh, you know, things snowball. So I do think there's quite a lot of similarities between the two. She's gone from one big time coach to another big time coach. She's clearly not bothered about spending some money, which is Look, great because I think she just um, surpassed another huge milestone. Was it only the fifth player to? I want to say, was it? Is it twenty million or yep. was it more yep. than that? Fifty million in no, prize money. I feel, I feel yeah, like it was more, but I know exa- I, exactly that stat. There's only. Is it like Serena Williams, Roger Federer? You know, it's yeah. the, the top of the top of the top. And, and she's, as you say, yeah. the fifth player to join them, right? So she's she's willing to invest. She's still got that passion. I, no, I, I, I 100% agree. I've, I've known footballers who are world-class footballers and they've gone through a patch of, of not performing. I remember I, I spoke to one such player who's a World Cup winner and I was kind of saying, oh, what's happened? And he said, all I need is, is the manager to put an arm around me and basically give me some love. And this manager wasn't into doing that. Uh, it, it was Jose Mourinho. And, and he, that's not his style. But this player said, I just needed that. He needed a bit of a cuddle. And to someone say, you're the best. Do you know what I mean? Because he had the skill set. He's a world-class player, won a World Cup. But he wasn't getting that. And I'm not saying Dan Kell didn't give that to Simona Halep. But just at, at, at the stage she is, coming back from injury, getting a little bit older, finding things a bit tougher. You know, she just needed someone to have that belief and, and give her that motivation. And, and sometimes she doesn't need anyone to teach her how to hit a forehand and a backhand. But she just needed... Sometimes it's a, it's a fresh voice. We've talked about that before. But... I think she just, yeah. I, look, I'm happy to see her back in the winners' circle. Someone, and I'm not, I'm not writing this person off. I wouldn't write this person off while they're still playing. Although I'm not sure how long they're going to be playing for. Osaka loses super early, uh, Toronto in Cincy, but we cannot draw conclusions because the last time she did that, she won the U.S. Open in 2018. But to me, she still doesn't look. She still doesn't look comfortable on court. She still doesn't look happy or really like she's enjoying herself out there I just I, I don't know what you think I just she just she just doesn't seem that happy out on court yeah that's been the struggle hasn't it to find mm. the enjoyment and that's what she's been saying pretty much since she got since she won her first slam I think it's just all been about you know um, I'm not enjoying things anymore and it's um it's difficult so you can sort of see that and then when she came back um, was it? Oh, I can't remember which break it was after. But when she came back, she was very deliberately trying to be happier on the court. It was almost that sort of false smiling and laughing when there was clearly pressure moments and no one in their right mind wants to smile or laugh. <laughs> but she was trying to force herself to relax and to enjoy things on the court. And, you know, for some people that just never works. Other people, it takes a little bit of time. It just never looked like it was really going to suit her. Um you know, she's had her struggles. She has her struggles with media. It's a big part of the job. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I agree with you. It's difficult to know where she's at. She seems like she's okay, though, which is a good mm. thing. Um, yeah. She's just not necessarily happy. But, look, I know everyone's like, oh, she's lost twice before. Sorry. Uh, I know everybody's like, she's lost twice before now coming into a slam, and she's won a slam doing that and actually a lot of her slams she was playing poorly before but again sort of similar to the Serena thing it's different she doesn't have lots of match wins under her belt it's not like she's been going deep in tournaments but she's just hit a poor few weeks of form before a slam when uh, the pressure is growing Um, that's 
not the situation here. The situation is that she's searching for form. She's been searching for it for a long time. She's searching for the enjoyment. And that's sort of what you see from her is she's not she's not where she wants to be. Um, but it does seem like, I mean, I guess, who knows, that she's at least okay in herself with what she's doing. Um, that, but she, she's just not happy with uh, with the results, I guess. Is there a player that you would like to give a special shout out to? Because I immediately thought of you when they achieved something that they achieved for the first time in their career. Oh, that sounds really cryptic. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what you're talking about. I think that's oh, you you've must gone way know what too I, cryptic. You, you must know what I'm talking about. Someone who recently achieved. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I've got it now. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's a Masters champion. Um, oh, Pablo Carreño Busta, yeah, just huge. I, he's been <laughs> he's been so consistently underestimated. I've so always said that Chilich has been the most consistently underestimated by people outside of tennis, as in us lot watching and commentating and things. Um, Carreño Busta is a close second, but. It, much like Chilich, not underestimated by his fellow competitors. They all think that he's so, so good. Um, and, he, and he is. I mean, it was a phenomenal point that he played in that final uh, against Hercatch um, that was doing the rounds on social media. I did manage to watch the highlights from the match. And what I loved is that in that point, it was obviously like such a beautiful backhand down the line. It is a sensational shot. Like him and David Goffin hit that shot better than anybody else. Um, so yeah, the, it was, uh, oh, what a moment. Yeah, no, I did get a bit emotional for him, but I mean, how can you not though? How can you not? He seems like such a nice guy and he's, he's been, you know, not necessarily best of the rest, but he's been in the best pack of the rest. You know what I mean? He's had a very good, very good career. Very good. Top 10 masters winner, grand slam semi-fight. You know, he, he's, he's achieved a lot, but yeah, um, consistently underestimated. I think I'm going to ask you a controversial question here now um i'm just gonna get straight matteo berrettini well we've sort of moved into the men do you think that quite possibly he's missed his opportunity to win a grand slam oh has the boat has the has the berrettini boat sailed away uh (laughs) no i don't think so um i understand the question but i don't think so because i think that he is such a quality player the it is so easy for people to look at him and think he's just a serve on a forehand it is not the case he has an incredible tennis brain the way that he changes strategy and adapts things on the court the level that he's got from the back of the court like he he was under so much pressure at Wimbledon in 2021 uh, to make the final out of that section, out of that half of the, the draw, even though he'd never been in a final before. And he just did it. And I'm not saying that there were no bumps. I'm not saying that it was 100% smooth, but he just managed to do it. And I just think that he has such a confidence and such a self-assurance, which is amazing to see. Wimbledon is always going to be his best chance. But I, I don't see why next year he's not one of the favourites to win it. Because Djokovic, I mean, maybe he can go on forever, but he can't. He can't go on forever. And for me, I don't know, watching that sort of particular... It was about a two-year period before Berrettini got very unfortunately injured, um, where he was very comfortably beating everybody 
like sort of outside of the top 10 he was only really losing to very very top players he was playing like a top five player he was a top five player and he was a huge threat to any of the big guys he played against so whether he was playing against Djokovic or whoever and whatever he can play on all the surfaces his game is huge but he also is able to make adaptations he is very very smart on the court so I really think that he's still going to be a threat like maybe that was sort of everything really coming together in those years and it it was an opportunity it was a huge opportunity of course and you know I mean just brutal that he couldn't play this year um going down with with COVID and uh, again was coming in as one of the favorites but think I mean he had that much time off he came back on the grass again a very very smart decision saying obviously grass is his best surface but saying that well, all the other players are changing to grass and it's difficult to adapt for everybody. So I've got a chance of at least you know, winning my first matches because he'd been out for so many months um, and trying to get some momentum going because everybody's feeling a little bit off on the, those first matches on the grass. I mean, he won two back-to-back tournaments. He had maxed out on all the points he could possibly get on the grass before heading into Wimbledon. He was absolutely, in, for my money, the second favourite behind Djokovic in that tournament. Obviously, he didn't play. I picked him as the winner. I I don't think that's going to change. I think he could win the US Open. I think he can win these slams. He has the game to do it. He has absolutely the belief. And as I say, he operates like a top five player, even though, his, uh, even though after a long amount of time out, all those months out, he came back and he acted like a top five player going, right, I'm just going to win these tournaments on my favourite surface. Bish, bash, bosh, done. Head into Wimbledon, obviously that was very unfortunate. And you can't predict all of those things that are going to happen uh, in your career. But for, um, for Berrettini, for me, as long as he's fit and healthy and he has a run of tournaments before going into slams, um, he's one of the top favourites. I, I think that he could absolutely win a slam. I think my thinking was not denying his talent or his ability and he's been to a Grand Slam final. I think it's a little bit more looking at his... Age. I know we can't always use age as a number when we see what Djokovic, Nadal and the likes are doing, but they're sort of an extra level. And I'm not quite putting him in the Dimitrov Nishikuri bracket. They've had fabulous careers, but you know that bracket of where they and the Raonic, they're the kind of missed generation. But it just feels the chasing pack are catching up. And there will be, I feel there will be fewer opportunities for Matteo Berrettini to reach Grand Slam final again. But then who's in that chasing pack? Like I can understand Alcaraz is obviously you know, pretty pretty new to the party and it's going to cause some big issues for him. But when I look at, say, maybe Felix Ojaliasim, Yannick Sinner, if Berrettini's fit and healthy, I'll be backing him, you know, on, on any surface, to be honest, possibly even clay, um, but definitely on grass and hard. And I know, I'm, I'm not saying that he would always win those matches, but as in, it's not like, oh, they're too good for him. I don't think that at all. Yeah, I think it's just, they're starting to figure it out and it's going to be interesting. It's just about, for me, it's just about the opportunities. Will he get enough of the opportunities? Because it only takes a couple for him, one, for him not to make it. You, we can name sort of eight players, but it just takes him coming up against an Alcaraz or a whoever, a Medvedev or something. And that being another opportunity gone and another year gone. And I don't know, I, I feel like I'm being a bit of a doom monger when it comes to Berrettini. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just wondering, <laughs> the, the game is there, the talent is there. I think the belief should be there, but it's just interesting with the way tennis is building and the other players. I can't. I, I, can't, I just want the US Open draw now. <laughs> I want to. Over the past couple of years, for me, Berrettini was just one of the best players in the world. 
unbelievably consistent. The only poor matches he played was off the back of some sort of injury, some sort of break. So it was the first match after um, being out for the off-season. I mean, he wasn't injured that time, but um, yeah, it took him a little while. to. But it was one loss, and then he was out with an ab injury, and then it was one loss before he then was just beating everybody. And as I say, everybody apart from the very, very, very top of the game. And he in my opinion, was so impressive in that way. And that's where he was different to a Raonic, for example, that people might compare him to. Another Grand Slam finalist, of course, getting to the final of Wimbledon. Big serve, you know, big forehand type of player. But Berrettini has been so consistent with his performances, I think far more than somebody like a Raonic was, anybody like a Cilic. I really think that he belongs up there for another good five years. Yes, there might be other players that are going to muscle in um, and you know, that's a little bit out of his control. But how he d- improves his game year after year is phenomenal to me. The issue for Berrettini at the moment is that he's, his rankings dropped and it's draws. He could be playing Djokovic far earlier on uh, rather than it would have been a semi or a final with his ranking before. But of course, losing those points from Wimbledon, um, you know, he has dropped down. So that's going to be the tough bit to navigate as long as he can play well he can also luck out just a little bit with the draws just try and be in the other half to 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 a Djokovic or a Nadal or somebody like that Um, as much as one can try to, to, to will the draw in the right way if that all slots into place then um I think that he will be right back at the top of the game and I think he will be proving why we were so excited about him um, until his injury. I feel with the way tennis is going at the moment, we could probably speak for about three hours and cover most of the players. I mean, there's so many names I feel we haven't talked about that we could talk about. Maybe we'll kind of break some down and do it over the next week or so leading in um, to the US Open. Um, Final couple of things. I need to know how the movie making is going on. It's a very... Very important question. And I need to tell you one of the big things I learned about table tennis from my time in Birmingham at the Commonwealth Games. And that is that as a table tennis player, you've got to know your six times table. Ah, was a scoring thing? They can use their towel every six points. Oh, uh, right. OK. Oh, I quite like that as a limit, a limit on it, on it. I think that makes sense. I like it, but it's a lot to think about. Well, when you do something every day, it's not. But it's a lot for me to think about getting to know table tennis. So they have the two serves and then it switches. You're getting your first to 11. If it gets to 10, you've got to win by two. And you've got to keep thinking, does that add up to six so I can go and use my towel? So luckily, the boys are going through their times tables at the moment. My six times table was okay before. It is spot on now. So I really enjoyed table tennis, but that was my one big takeaway. You've got to know your six times table. Uh, Movie making. Tell me about movie making. Well, um, unfortunately, I think we've run out of time. So we'll have to pick it up next. But to be fair, there's been a lot going on this week. That's a cliffhanger, isn't it? So cliffhanger, I will update on my TV series next week. But it's been really good fun. I'm enjoying it a lot. Excellent. I've got to talk to you about wobbly tea. All that and much more next week. Bye. See you then. (laughs) Bye.